And I'm live here on the MMA, uh, what we're going to be calling, I guess, the MMA Sucka Q&A Hour. Uh, once I come up with a better title, we will use that. But for now, this is the MMA Sucka Q&A Hour. My name is James Lynch. Uh, if this is the first time you're tuning in here, I am going to be doing this every month on MMA Sucka, uh, basically just answering your questions. Anything MMA related, I'm happy to do this. This is going to be a little bit more... Um, casual and relaxed than the MMA industry podcast, which I do over on Fightful. Uh, that's a bit more uh, buttoned up. But, like today I'm going to be, uh, you know, wearing, uh, you know, I get, I, there's no dress code here. So I'll be wearing a, uh, you know, today I'm wearing this cool uh, Excite Bike shirt here. Uh, if you guys are watching on the video chat, um, you know, definitely don't have a dress code here. I just basically want to make this conversation and make this interactive. And, uh, you know, I all, always uh, get asked questions all the time. So I'm happy to have a platform where I can do this every month. And on the MMA industry podcast uh, over on Fightful, uh, that, that's mainly just going to be guests because you know i was getting a lot of people saying hey can you do another uh, solo q a podcast so thanks big time to uh jeremy brand over at mma Saka. uh he is giving me this opportunity so every month we don't know exactly when but uh i'll be letting everyone know over social media um you know that i'll that i'll be doing this uh we're going to be doing it for an hour every month and hopefully answer all the questions you may ask and uh, before we get into this i'll just give you a quick backstory if you guys aren't familiar with me if this is the first time you're tuning in uh, i am a mixed martial arts journalist i do this full time and i work for a bunch of different outfl outlets and uh, if i was to name all of them uh, we would be be here all day but sort of some of the main ones um flow combat fightful mma odds breaker fan-sided sports illustrated mma um my mma news mma news um am i missing any uh yeah just i have and then obviously mma sucker here i'll be doing the the chats on here as well so i want to make this informative this isn't about me just rambling on and talking about things i want to uh you know be helpful uh people are out there and they have questions and, and things of that nature so that's sort of the reason i've decided to do this and uh we're going to get into some questions right now let me just uh check the chat here see if we got any off the bat i'm going to write something real quick in here uh, multitasking is not my best thing so uh got any questions i will answer them here perfect so we'll get to that but we did get a lot of questions on twitter so we'll start there first and then we'll kind of uh figure out our way uh throughout the rest of this episode here um first question uh comes to us from a good buddy of mine douglas geller you can follow douglas on twitter at douglas geller 27 and he contributes for uh, mma today uh he's a great guy and uh, douglas if you're watching this i will see you in a few weeks i'm going to be going to uh, brooklyn for ufc 223 covering that event i'll talk about that a bit at the end uh what i'll be doing for that but uh douglas asks what parts of MMA are the least covered? And if you had time, is there any part of MMA you'd like to cover? So I think regional MMA, I, you know, anyone that follows me on Twitter or on social media in general, uh, I, I preach a lot of, uh, you know, regional MMA. And there's a lot of outlets who are certainly doing that. But I still think there's a lot more to be covered um, in, as far as all the promotions. You know, there's, uh, there's just so many promotions in North America. And then you've got, you know, obviously outside of North America too, you have all these other promotions. And I feel like a lot of people still are focused on UFC and Bellator. And I it has to be covered. I understand that. I get that. But, uh, you know, there are really good prospects out there. There are really good shows out there that aren't the UFC and Bellator. And I'd like to see that covered a little bit more. I think women's MMA still doesn't get enough coverage. It's nice to see, you know, bigger outlets like MMA fighting do stories on Invicta fighters as well. But, uh, you know, there's other promotions that have women's MMA fights and those need to get exposures as well. It, it needs to get more exposure, I should say, uh, as well. So those are some things to kind of uh, look into as well. But I think there's lots of stuff that, that could be covered. And if you're watching, this um, and you're starting out, I, I would highly recommend wherever you live, find if there's any local MMA going on around you. I did a whole video on this. Actually, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, uh, youtube.com slash Lynch on sports, uh, I really think there's areas of MMA that need to be covered more. As someone who tries to keep track of sort of everything that happens in North America, um, I am, I'm often looking for results and you would not believe how tough it is to find results for, for local shows. Um, a lot of times my first, my sort of my go-to is, is anyone tweeting about this? So I'll have to go do a quick Twitter search of the fighter's name and oftentimes, you know, you don't find stuff there. So my next step is going to Facebook. I will see if the promotion has the results on their Facebook page. Oftentimes they don't. Sometimes I'll have to go as far as, you know, I, I do this uh, veteran watch uh, column on MMA Oddsbreaker where I kind of talk about notable veterans that are competing outside the UFC. A lot of times I'll have to go to the fighter's personal Facebook page to find out if they won. You know, sometimes it's like I'll see a post where it's like, you know, someone like, oh, I got the win. You know, it was a good knockout. So it's like, OK, good. So I know this guy won. So now I got to dig a little bit deeper to figure out the actual result. But uh, no, I think that um, there, there definitely needs to be more uh, live tweeting and, and just results in general for uh, local MMA flow combat, who I 
I work for, they do a great job of it. Uh, you know, there's Bluegrass MMA, MMA Today does some good work. There's lots of outlets that are that are doing it, but there still needs to be more. There's just so many shows on um, across North America and, and in the world. Uh, so, so I mean, to kind of answer Doug's question in sort of the short form, um, yeah, I, I just think that the regional stuff needs to be needs to get more coverage because you know everyone automatically wants to cover uh, the bigger promotions there. And uh, he asks, is there another part of MMA that you would like to cover? Um, I mean, if I had time, I'd like to go even deeper in sort of the prospect pool stuff and maybe cover more amateur stuff. Um, maybe cover more kickboxing and boxing would be cool. But since you asked MMA, so that's not boxing, kickboxing, I guess that doesn't really count. But yeah, maybe maybe more amateur stuff. But again, I just don't have time. I mean, I interview enough people as it is. The odd time I'll get an amateur fighter in there and sort of get some questions in. But uh, but oftentimes it's uh, it's it's just too difficult to uh, to go and try and take care of that stuff uh, as far as you know getting interviews and. Things things of that nature. So hope I answered your question, Doug. Uh, hopefully we can meet up for beers. We will definitely coordinate with that uh, come uh, Brooklyn time, UFC 223. That, of course, is on April 7th. I've got another uh, question here from a uh, Twitter user by the name of uh, T-E-M-U Jin MMA, Timu Jin MMA. I believe that's how you say it. Could be butchering that. My apologies, but uh, you can follow this person at T-E-M-U J-I-N MMA. He says, with Volkov winning... Hunt uh, and Beast calling out Naganu, Tuvesa gaining momentum, Kane whispers. What are the fights you would like to see in the heavyweight division while Stipe is busy? Well, the thing is, I mean, Stipe obviously has this fight in July. So, I mean, uh, you know, Volkov, for example, just fought. I know it's March, but I mean, if he wanted to, you know, I, I guess I see what you're saying because, like, you know, Stipe is going to fight in July. And then, you know, if he's healthy or not healthy, I mean, he's probably not going to be back maybe until end of year, right? Because that's sort of how the, the scheduling works. Um, I mean, I think it, it's, uh, it's important to see who wins that fight between Curtis Blades and Alistair Overeem. I mean, usually when it comes to matchmaking, it, you know, when there's fights scheduled, it's usually who does sort of the best or who sort of makes the biggest noise, right? Like if Curtis Blades, not saying he'll do this. In fact, I don't think he'll knock out Alistair Overeem, but let's say he goes out there and knocks out Overeem. I mean, you pretty much have to put Blades next in line for the title, right? Um, if Blades wins a decision, which is entirely possible, then, uh, you know, maybe you give him someone in between before giving him that title shot. He's still relatively young. Um, so, I mean, you've got Volkov, you know, we've got Curtis Blades. I mean, I shouldn't count out Overeem, by the way. O Alistair Overeem absolutely could win that fight. If he knocks out Curtis Blades, um, you know, he's back in the mix. I still think he's a couple fights away just because he lost in Nagano. Um, and then, you know, Kane Velasquez, you know, who knows what's happening with him at this point. Um, you know, you hope that he's, you know, we hear that he's training and everything, but what does that mean? Is he, is he going to actually be back? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of tough to say. And the, the other thing is, you know, we have Junior Dos Santos out there. I know he's suspended. You know, when is he going to come back? Ben Rothwell suspended. When's he going to come back? So I really think you sort of have to see when these sort of uh, fighters are going to come back. It's really going to depend on what sort of happens with like Kane and JDS. Because uh, I imagine they'll, you know, those guys will get fights against up and comers. Uh, the UFC sort of sort of ha is in that theme these days with, uh, you know, obviously um, two of is actually fighting Arlovsky on the Chicago card. So, you know, I think we'll, we'll sort of have to see uh, how that sort of pans out. But all those fights, uh, you know, that you mentioned or all the fighters that you mentioned there, you know, Derek Lewis, Mark Hunt. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong. I think Mark Hunt at this point, I mean, you know, I... I'd like to see Hunt fight someone that's not going to knock him out because I think that guy's taken enough damage as, as it is. So maybe you give him a, I don't know who you'd give him at this point, to be honest, who's a non-threatening heavyweight that, uh, you know, isn't going to knock him out. Because I, I think that's the main thing. I mean, I don't mind Hunt funny, fighting again, but I don't want to see him get knocked out. I don't want it to be a situation because, I mean, that guy's taken so much damage. I know he's got an iron chin, but I mean, it's not very appealing to, to see that. Um, so for example, I'm not a fan of Derek Lewis and Mark Hunt. Derek Lewis should fight someone you know, on the come up, maybe he fights, um, you know, like an Overeem if Overeem gets past Blades or something along those lines. To Avesa, you know, might not get past Arlovsky. We'll see. Arlovsky's surprised a bit in his last couple fights. I mean, you know, Junior Albini, I think people were expecting him to beat him and, and you know, he didn't. So we'll sort of see what happens there. But as far as fights, I'm a fan of prospect versus veterans. So whatever that ends up being as far as, you know, Junior being back, if Junior fights, you know, Volkov or Junior fights, um, you know, uh, maybe if blades loses maybe junior fights blades i don't know i i don't really know at this point it, it's the, the division's a bit of a mess right now and you've got you know guys like tim johnson who are, aren't under contract right now i don't know if he's even going to be back with the ufc so th there's definitely a lot of options there as far as uh, what what can happen but i don't really have a preference just if i could stick with sort of a, a catalyst it would be prospects versus uh, veterans so i hope i answered your question there 
Next question comes to us from uh, John, uh, my, my buddy over at MMA Today, who's doing some uh, great interviews, by the way. Uh, you can follow John on Twitter. Uh, he does a show called Kumite Radio at JKMMA. Um, he had a really good interview with Vince Murdoch, uh, who had a really bad experience with Super Fight League. Highly recommend going to check out that. And John's really, you know, I talked at the top about areas that need to be covered. Uh, John is, you know, carrying the torch for international MMA. Uh, he's interviewing, you know, a lot of fighters overseas that just aren't getting interviewed by North American media. And it's awesome. I watch his interviews all the time because it's, it, I, I learn a lot. And I think that's an area that, um, you know, I wish I could cover a bit more as well. Um, so he asked me, Re uh, Reebok boxers or briefs, the UFC wants to know. I guess he's asking if I wear Reebok stuff. I don't wear anything Reebok, uh, unfortunately. I'm a, I'm a MeUndies type person. Uh, if anyone listens to like Bill Burr or Joe Rogan podcast, they're always uh, promoting that brand. And uh, you pay a lot as a Canadian. I got to say, I actually got dinged by customs last time when I bought some MeUndies underwear. And uh, it was, um, yeah, it was a pain in the ass. But they're the best. I mean, I, I really do enjoy. I'm actually wearing a pair right now. Won't show you, even though this shows a little bit more casual. It's not that casual where I'm going to show my underwear. So, uh, yeah, I, I, nothing uh, Reebok-wise uh, for me, but for the, you know, for the fighters or whoever, um, I guess they're probably wearing the briefs because you got to protect that, uh, that junk, you know? So what am I going to say? Next question comes to us from Michael Fidel. Hope I'm saying that right, Michael. My apologies if I'm not. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Michael Fidel. It's uh, Michael and then uh, Fidel is F-I-E-D-E-L on Twitter, all one word. He says, what's your take on the controversy surrounding the pay concerns of Brad Scott? He didn't miss weight, but only received partial show money. Meanwhile, Hasbrat, who's the one uh, who, who basically got his uh, matchup taken away because of the eye issue, got full pay. What do you think of that situation? What needs to change? Well, it would be great if the fighters had a union and this could be collectively bargained into their contracts and everything else because I think if you show up and you do everything you're supposed to do as a fighter and you make weight, you should get paid your your show money. Absolutely. You're winning money. Probably not. Um, you know, I feel for Brad Scott. He, he did his job. It's not his fault his opponent pulled out. Um, you know, I guess sort of the only consolation is if they like rebooked him really quickly. But even then, I mean, I have a big issue with uh, guys that are not getting paid for making weight. Um, yeah. And, and or for, yeah, for, for guys that are making weight, sorry, that, that aren't getting paid. I, I have a big issue with that. Um, and, and Hasprat, I mean, you know, let, let, let's call it what it is. He's Ali Abdelaziz's manager. Ali does a good job with contracts as far as fighters getting compensation. So I have no, and Ali's got a great relationship with the UFC. I mean, he's got like half the roster. I guarantee Ali had something in that contract with Nasrat where it says, Hey, listen, no matter what he's going to get paid. Is it unfair? Absolutely. But it's also the importance of having good management, I guess, in the sense that they can negotiate something like that. So good for Nasrat. Although it is interesting because, you know, Nasrat, uh, you know, he has the eye, eye problem again, not his fault, but it's, it, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it is his fault. It's not his opponent's fault that he, uh, you know, for his opponent, his opponent uh, can't help that his, uh, you know, his opponent is uh, got the eye issue and he's out of the fight. But you've got a guy in Nasrat who, you know, is rescheduled right away, it seems. I think he's going to get a fight fairly soon. So, I mean, yeah, it sucks for comparing the two. But I think that at the end of the day, they have to negotiate that somehow in the contracts where it's like, because it, it, there's really no transparency. Like, you know, I go back to the John Dodson situation where he refused to fight Pedro Munoz when Munoz came well overweight. And I get that because if you look at Dodson, he is an undersized bantamweight. If Munoz has five pounds on him and Munoz is a big 135er, I get him not taking that fight. You know, some fighters could have taken that fight. They would have lost. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're in sort of this whirlwind. So I kind of understand it from that perspective. But I think there needs to be a standard. I think they need to. I just think it, it's going to save a lot of headaches with everyone. If you show up, if you make the weight, if you, you know, do what you're supposed to do, you should get paid. That's my opinion on it. So as far as comparing the two situations, I think Nasrat has a, has a good manager. And I think that Brad Scott should get paid. But as of right now, it sounds like he's not. So um, that's something to uh, to consider as well. So um, we're getting some questions in the chat. I'm going to sort of bounce back and forth here, guys. And again, I appreciate the feedback, especially this being the first episode. Um, we've got uh, Clovis uh, Gullier uh, asked me, what is next for Duke and Wah? Well, Let me look at the rankings here. You know, Duke and Wah, he won that fight. Uh, I don't agree with the 30-27 scorecard. I thought Tarion Ware won the third round. Actually trying to speak with Tarion Ware this week to get his thoughts. Tarion, just bad luck. I mean, he's he's got really tough opponents. He's gone 0-3 of the UFC, but fought Cody Stamen. Cody Stamen hasn't lost in the UFC. Fought Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley hasn't lost in the UFC. Now he's got Duke and Wah, and that was a close fight. I still think Duke and Wah won the fight, but, you know, um, it wasn't a 30-27 in my opinion. So anyhow, Duganois, what, what is sort of next for him? I'm just looking at his record here. I mean, you, I think you got to give him the guys that are like a Terry and Ware caliber still. Um, there, there's nothing about him. I mean, sort of 
looking at the rankings and everything else, uh, which I'm going to pull up right now, and we were looking here at the uh, man. It's so funny whenever you uh, when you look at the um, look at the rankings. Uh, the UFC's uh, website doesn't come up first. It's always uh, someone else's thing. So I always have to double check. So I'll just go UFC rankings here. Sorry guys, hate to stall this a little bit, but here we're on the uh, we're on the rankings now. And what do we got here? Man, I'm on the mobile site. How did that happen? Sorry, we're uh, coming up here. Okay, so you've got. 1 to 15, uh, Duke and Juan not ranked at the moment. You know what? He's had two fights in the UFC. He lost a close fight to Cody Stamen. I thought Stamen won that fight, so no debate there. Maybe you give him like an Eddie Wineland. Maybe you give him a vet. I think you got to still build this guy up because clearly he's got a following. I mean, he was in Bama. He was, you know, he was their, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was, yeah, he was their champion. He was their bantamweight champion. He's 24 years old. UFC uh, has a tendency sometimes with certain fighters to kind of throw them to the wolves. And I think Duke and Wah, the path he's been on, the opponents he's had, I think have been good fights. You know, even the Stamen fight, which he lost, it still gave us an indication that he can hang with a really tough guy like Cody Stamen because Stamen's look great. Um, I think the UFC was hoping that Duke and Wah would go out there and get a finish and look really like overly impressive, but that just didn't happen. And I think that there's still some room to grow. I don't think he's the super pro. I mean, do you remember when he came in the UFC guys and, and girls who were watching this and, and people were really just sort of high on the guy and thought he was sort of the next big thing. He hasn't really shown that. I mean, he's, he's won the fights he's supposed to win, but he's not blowing people away. So that's why I don't think you give him, um, you know, like, a like, like an upper tier guy, like a guy that's in the top 10, for example, like I would not give him, um, you know, like he lost a close fight to Stamen. You know, maybe like a Thomas Almeida, to be honest, because like Almeida's kind of lost a few now. Who's the better prospect? I mean, Almeida's, I think, shown that he's not a contender. I think at this point he's got some some room room, room for improvement. And Dugamois should get someone in the top fifteen. Maybe an Eddie Wineland, maybe a maybe a Thomas Almeida or whatever. Stylistically, um, you know, Almeida always brings a good fight. So you'd be curious to see sort of what happens there. And I think at this point with Almeida, I mean, he's even though he's not, you know, he's under 30. Um, actually, how old is Almeida? I should probably do this without talking out of my ass. Um, you know, I, I think the, he's had fights where he sort of tried to get to that next level with Almeida has, anyways. Um, you know, he fought Rivera, he lost, he lost a font, he lost a Garbrandt, no shame in that. Almeida, 26. Okay, so he's only two years older. Maybe you don't do that fight because then you kill, a, you kill a prospect on the rise, but it's also one of those fights where if they fought, you'd figure out where they sort of fit, right? I don't have an issue necessarily with the fight. Maybe you do Duke and Juan Wineland, though. That might be the, the first choice, but if not, I wouldn't mind watching these two sort of throw down. Um, let me know what you guys think in the chat if you guys are sort of uh, paying attention here. Um, Goldcap says not O'Malley. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, again, you, you kill a prospect that way. O'Malley, um, you know... He's another guy that I think has definitely looked good in his fights, but I think you got to still slowly build him up as well. He's a really young guy. He's got an undefeated record. He's a guy that everyone likes. I mean, he's sort of, um, I won't say he's a star yet, but I know that he's a guy that people really like. I mean, he's got the Snoop Dogg thing and, you know, he's, uh, I, I like, I can even tell you personally, um, you know, I interviewed Sean even before he was in the UFC. I interviewed him for LFA. Uh, I, I couldn't get an interview with him this time because I think they're starting to see that this guy is only doing selective outlets. I know he's done some stuff with TMZ. So you, you do sort of a slow, slow build with him as well. But no, I don't want to see Duke and Wah and O'Malley fight because they're still on the rise, in my opinion. So you got to sort of switch it up a little bit there. Uh, Clovis also says, what do you think about kickboxers going to MMA? We saw Israel. Uh, Golkin Saki, and we know Cedric uh, Dombe, the former glo glo uh, glory champion, plans to fight in the UFC. I like it. I think it's good because, for whatever reason, kickboxing has not taken storm, taken a storm uh, in in you know sort of the North American scene for whatever reason. And I know Glory puts on good events, and I know their promotion does a great job. And to be honest with you, working with them, I've I've interviewed a bunch of you know a few of their fighters. Uh, they've been great. I think they're awesome. Um, I think that uh, I think we will see more fighters going that route just because it seems like the UFC has a has a fan base in North America. And I think that with glory, it's not as big for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I, I talked to a guy like Michael Stetz, a buddy of mine who covers kickboxing quite extensively. He's actually one of the best journalists out there for that. He, um, you know, he can't figure it out either. I, I think they it's I almost feel like if you want to get people into kickboxing, you got to do like an ultimate fighter type show. But but to answer your question, I do see more people coming over because I think they see that there's a, an area where people can become more popular. And also people like the stand up fighting. So I think, you know, it's a welcomed addition to the UFC because they like, you know, seeing people go go duke it out or whatever. So I'll go back to the chat in a sec. But let's continue here with the questions on Twitter. 
And uh, we've got uh, John Douglas. Wow, I haven't heard him, from him in a while, uh, who's a fellow uh, MMA sucker writer. I'm pretty sure he still writes for the site. He says, what do you think of the Aldo Stevens matchup and who takes it and why? I love the Aldo Stevens matchup. It's perfect matchmaking. You've got two guys who are going in opposite directions. You've got Jose Aldo, who has lost two in a row to Max Holloway, granted. You know, Max is the best right now at 145. You got him taking on Jeremy Stevens, who at one point it looked like Stevens might have not been done, but possibly been cut. I mean, there was a point in his career where he lost a couple in a row. And again, so I'm not talking out of my ass. I'm going to pull up his record here. Let's see what we got here for Jeremy Stevens. Because I remember he had lost a couple in a row. And since then, he's won like, what, three straight, I think? Yeah, he lost. I mean, look at this here. He was two and five between 2014 and 2017. He lost to Swanson, lost to Charles Oliveira. He beat Bermudez, although that was kind of a last-minute finish because Bermudez was winning that fight too. Lost to Holloway, no shame in that. Went the distance with him, actually. He beats Burrell. Burrell's not the same fighter, so whatever. And then he loses to Edgar and then uh, Renato. Um, uh, Renato, the guy who's fighting Calvin Cater. Don't want to say his last name at the point. I'm going to butcher it. Uh, but but yeah, he's really turned things around, getting wins over uh, Melendez, Duhu Choi, and Josh Emmett. So it's kind of going in two different directions. I like this fight because is Aldo, has he lost a step? Or is it the fact that he just fought Max Holloway twice, who's the best featherweight on the planet? We'll, we'll find out. Stevens has had a resurgence. Um, you know, I, I think all the wins he's had are, are pretty good. Although it's interesting because, you know, I think that the jury's still out on Josh Emmett at this point because he, he did have the win over um, Lamas, which was great. But, you know, is he really that good or is it just that he, he caught Lamas and, you know, we don't know. Uh, Melendez, I think we can all agree, has kind of lost a step. And, you know, fighters who generally go down a weight class later in their career never do too well. And Duhu Choi's a great fight, a great fighter, but he's a bit reckless sometimes, and he, he got caught. I'm not, again, I'm not taking anything away from Stevens, but we don't really know how, Steve, like, I don't know who's going to win this fight, to be honest. But since you asked me and I need to do a pick, I got to go with the hot hand in Jeremy Stevens. I think he's, he's looked great. And, you know, Stevens is uh, 31 years old. He's arguably in the prime of his career. And Aldo, I mean, he's not old, but he's, fought a lot of fights he's also wow he's also 31 for some reason i feel like aldo's older i guess because he's fought longer um or has he fought longer he made his debut in 2004 when did stevens make his debut let's look at that here 2005 so actually aldo yeah aldo has had more fights by like a year um but he certainly uh he's had he's had you know a lot more actually no they, they both had they both had a lot of wars i take that back um my my, my pick is going to be stevens i think maybe he wins a decision in this one but we'll sort of see what happens there because uh, it's, you know, you never know in these fights. I, I think Aldo, you know, proved, for example, in the Frankie Edgar fight. I mean, people are writing him off after the Connor loss. And then he beats Frankie Edgar, who's still, you know, one of the best. Um, so I don't really know where you go on a, on a situation like that. But but I will take uh, someone in. Um, and, and we got uh, Jeremy Brigham in the chat saying, I think Aldo is still a little bit too much for him. Very well could be. I could be completely wrong. I just, you know, when a guy's on a hot streak and a guy's on a losing streak, Usually you got to take the guy in the hot streak, although it's Aldo, man. Aldo's still awesome, and he, he's very, very, very talented. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Stevens. May regret that later, but right now my initial pick is Stevens. I would imagine, though, if they're looking at the betting line, I think Aldo probably would be the favorite because he's a former champion, although he's been finished twice, so you never know. I don't know. I'll be, I'll be curious to see what the line is on that. John Douglas also asked, and by the way, John's uh, Twitter handle, I didn't even uh, plug that there, is uh, DJ John Douglas uh, on Twitter, all one word, so you can uh, go follow him there. He says, who would you like to see Mean Hakeem fight next, and are we too premature with the hype behind him? I will answer the second question first and then uh, match him up after this. Um, I don't think it's too premature with the hype that's behind him because uh, Hakeem was undefeated heading into this fight. He looked good heading into the matchup. He had a win over a UFC vet in Steven Seiler in World Series of Fighting. So, you know, when people say, oh, you know, he's overhyped, I mean, on paper, it looked like he, he is the real deal. I still think he's a good prospect. I think that he got caught, and I think that he'll come back. It reminded me, and I got to give Flo Combat credit for this because they tweeted this out on Saturday, that it reminded me a bit of the Aaron Pico-Zach Freeman fight where, you know, Pico had all this hype, and then Zach Freeman, kind of a similar sequence where he went out there and submitted um, Pico. The Duwadu fight reminded me of the same thing, and I'm not taking anything away from Danny Henry, but I think Duwadu can show a lot more than he did in, in that fight. And the other thing we got to consider here too is Duato hadn't fought in over a year. Uh, he had a bit of a layoff uh, due to contract stuff. He was trying to get out of his World Series of Fighting contract. When he finally did, he gets signed by the UFC in the fall. And then um, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, it takes him a bit to get booked uh, for a fight. So I'd like to see him take another fight here, see sort of what he's made of, and then see sort of what happens. So I'm not, I'm not off that bandwagon yet. And he's only 26. So 
I think there's some room to grow for Hakeem. As far as what's next for him, I mean, let me look down the UFC featherweight roster right now. Um, UFC featherweight division. Maybe you give him a vet. Because here's the thing. I know the UFC doesn't seem too high on Canada these days. I mean, they haven't booked any events yet. And, um, you know, they just got rid of Jason Sago, for example, after only losing two fights. I think they're kind of going in that direction where they're not, you know, they're not, they're not putting too much stock into a lot of the Canadian guys. But realistically, they, they I mean, Hakeem is, you know, one of the prospects they should be building on along with Jeremy Kennedy because all the other guys they have in the division really are, you know, older and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a tougher sell um, as far as some of the up and comers, but let's look at the featherweight division here. I see you give him a vet, maybe a vet who's, uh, you know, had a little bit of a slide here. Um, let's look here. Wow. It's interesting. They have uh, Mark Cherico on the UFC thing on the UFC roster, but Mark was not signed to the UFC. It's interesting to see some of the names on here, I guess, because of the contender series, they still count them on, on there. Hmm. Maybe you give him like, I don't know, man. I'm just looking at this here. Like you don't give him like a Chad Mendez, even though Mendez has had the layoff because, you know, Mendez is still damn good. You, you got to do like a slow build here as far as that goes. It's This is the first time I've actually looked at the UFC featherweight uh, division like on, on their website and they got a bunch of contender series guys on here. That's interesting. You know what? People might disagree with this and maybe you kill a contender this way. Gavin Tucker, Canadian on Canadian violence. Let's do it. I'd be a fan of that fight. You know, Tucker got, you know, he took a beating in that last fight against Rick Glenn and he had a good debut against Sam Cecilia. Let's see where they fit in the division. You know, I think um, if Canada's not a priority for the UFC, which it certainly seems that way at, the, at, the, at this very moment I'm speaking because there's no events this year. If Canada was a priority, we would have heard of an event at this point. Um, match them up. That'd be a fun fight. Duato loves to strike. Tucker likes to strike. Let's do that. I'm I'm a big fan of that. Um, wow, they have Dennis Seaver still on the the rankings here. Uh, newsflash: Seaver fights in ACB now, so I want to change that there. UFC.com. Um, yeah, I mean, basically just a veteran. I I know uh, Tucker isn't really a veteran, but I think that's sort of an exciting fight. I just there's no veterans right now that really sort of stand out to me that say, you know, let, let's do this. What do you guys think in the in the chat here? Um, someone obviously said something offensive because the message has been retracted or something. I don't know. I don't really know how this works. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do here. But the thing is, you got to build up Duwadu because he's still a prospect. He's 26. He's exciting. You're, you're the UFC. You don't bury this kid because he had one bad fight. You give him a exciting matchup after this. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. Hey, you know what? Maybe you give him a guy like Steven Peterson too. Another contender series guy. You know, Peterson lost his debut. That's a fun fight. Veteran versus a prospect type thing. I'd say, you know, even though Peterson's only had one fight in the UFC, he's still kind of a veteran. He's a little bit older. So maybe you throw him that way. I don't know. But uh, either way, you give him the slow build. You don't throw him to the Wolves um, for, for his next fight just because he he had a bad debut. I think I think we'll see Hakeem uh, back for sure. So that uh, hopefully answered your question. Uh, John, we'll get to Evil Eddie. Eddie, uh, Evil Echo, you can follow him on Twitter, Evil Eddie. Evil Eddie does a show called Pure Evil MMA, which is on My MMA News, which is another site that I work for. Great guys over there. Uh, go check out Eddie's show and follow Eddie on Twitter at Evil underscore Echo. He says, Nick Newell has been discussed for years. He recently returned and got a win in classic Newell fashion. What do you think is holding the UFC from signing him? He has one loss and it was to Justin Gaethje. That says a lot. Is his medical issue with his hand a reason not to sign? Nick Newell is going to be in the UFC. Mark my words on that. Uh, first off, I don't even think the ink's dry on uh, on him potentially signing with the UFC because, uh, I mean, he just fought, what was it, last Friday? Or sorry, the Friday before. So people saying he's got to get signed right away. Usually it takes a bit to get signed. But he fought on March 9th. So, you know, we're what? It's, this Friday is going to be two weeks that he last fought. So I, I think he gets signed. And the reason I say he gets signed, he just signed, well, he first off is with Ali Abdelaziz at Dominance. And I don't think Ali's going to sign someone to get them to go and fight for, I mean, Bellator. I, I, I don't think Ali has any fighters in Bellator, to be honest. He's going to the UFC. That As soon as I saw that signing, as soon as I saw Nick Newell with, with signing with Ali, it just seems like a foregone conclusion because Ali has so many fighters in the UFC. And I think that's what we're going to see next. And actually, Newell is on the MMA hour at the time we're recording this. And I wouldn't be surprised if he announces on there that he's with the UFC because why... Why else would he go on just to talk about the win? Or maybe, maybe it's because he'd sign with Ali. I'm not sure. But uh, 
you know, and by the way, I'm not trying to go head to head with Ariel. I, uh, it's just one of those, this was the only day I could do the, the Q and a, so I'm not trying to uh, build any competition here. Uh, let's go back to the chat here for a second. Still uh, nothing. Oh, actually, uh, Lucas, uh, my colleague over at uh, Flow Combat, he has a question. He says, uh, um, Lucas, uh, by the way, is uh, Lucas uh, Grandsire at, um, you can follow him on Twitter at Grandsire MMA. He says, what do you think about the frequency of interviewing fighters? For example, do you like talking to the same fighter before and after every fight or does there need to be a break? Um, I don't really have sort of a set rule with that. Um, I think that if the fighter has an impressive win or, or there's something notable about that fight, I don't mind doing a post-fight interview. Uh, for example, like Charles Bird, um, who, who you know won uh, this past weekend at UFC London, I'm going to probably hit him up this week for an interview if I can. I know he, he fought in London, so he might need some time off, but he had a pretty impressive win. I thought that was a little bit out of the blue, and Charles Bird's not going to be in the MMA hour. That's just the reality. He's an undercard guy, so... Um, I wouldn't mind sort of, I, I kind of like to find when it comes to post-fight interviews, I like to get fighters that probably aren't going to be doing a lot of other interviews and that way it's unique content. And, um, kind of just on that same note of asking, uh, you know, what it, the frequency of interviewing fighters. Um, I mean, I, it just sort of depends on the situation. Uh, th there's a few fighters that I will usually interview them before and after their fight, just because I like talking to them or I think they're a rising prospect, uh, you know, in flow combat, for example, Devonte Smith who just came off a big win over uh, Justin Edwards. Um, you know, I interview him pre and post because I think Devontae is going to be in the UFC one day. I really do. So it's kind of good to build that relationship, build that rapport. And uh, I think Devontae's got a good personality. He's a good interview. I like talking to him. So I'll give him the time of day. And for Flo, I mean, we air, we've aired a lot of his fights. So it kind of goes hand in hand that way. So, you know, people might say that's bias, but I think it's just following a guy along in his career, get as many interviews as you can. So, you know, when they go to the UFC, then you have sort of an archive that people can check out because Let's be honest, other than like contender series of the ultimate fighter, there's not a lot of publicity of guys that get signed to the UFC. Eric Anders is a great example. I uh, I interviewed Eric after a second pro fight, and I think I've interviewed him every fight after that leading up to the UFC and in the UFC. And, you know, a lot of times people can go back and look at those old interviews of Eric, you know, on his rise because Eric wasn't on the MMA hour. And, you know, I'm not, by the way, saying this, I'm not faulting the MMA hour. They They're going to get you know, the big names, they're going to get the Conor McGregor's and Daniel Cormier's and everyone else because they 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 want to get the best guests, the, the top name fighters. But that's where I come in. I'll interview the guys that aren't maybe getting those interviews. And I'm happy to do it because there's uh, a lot of really good fighters out there. And I'm happy to, to speak with them and give them the exposure and everything. Um, while we're doing this, I'm going to hit uh, retweet on here to so see if we get more people asking questions and everything else. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, uh, let, let's uh, let's see what else we got going here. Questions wise, keep the questions coming, guys, in the, in the YouTube chat. I'm more than happy to sort of talk about that. Um, we do have about 25 minutes left in the show. I'm still trying to figure this show out. Um, I, like I said, I want to make it casual. I want to make it interactive. So I, I'm more than happy to answer any questions you guys have. I want to make this informative. I don't want to make this about hey, this is the James Lynch hour. This is what I'm doing. Blah blah blah. You know. So talk about that. Um, while we're waiting for some more questions, uh, got to give uh, some plugs to, uh, you know, a lot of uh, good fights that happened this, this past weekend, along with uh, the UFC, obviously, uh, you know, we had TKO on Friday night. I'm always happy to promote some Canadian MMA, some big wins there. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, Brendan Kornberger, who is a, uh, up and coming, well, I shouldn't say up and coming. Brendan has uh, been on the Canadian scene for a while, but he got a win. He made his TKO debut and, uh, he's been featured a lot here on MMA sucker because he's a, a local BC guy. And I should preface as well, I'm actually originally from British Columbia, so that's why uh, Jeremy and I get along so well. He's a, he's a Canucks fan like myself, so he uh, can enjoy the suffering this season like I am. But uh, Brennan Kornberger uh, improves to 9-3. and three. He gets a second-round submission in his TKO debut. A guy that's on the cusp of the UFC, in my opinion. If they're looking for a middleweight and they have a show in Canada, I think Brennan's a guy who's going to get a phone call. We had Malcolm Gordon, who uh, won by first-round submission over Jordan Graham. He uh, captures the vacant flyweight title for TKO. Again, Malcolm, a rising up-and-comer, uh, holds a win over UFC veteran Chris Kalades. He's a good guy, good fighter, um, could be on the UFC's radar fairly soon. We had Charles Jourdain, who uh, is coming, uh, bounced back from his uh, the first loss of his career against TJ Laramie. He uh, knocked out Matar Lowe, uh, which is a really uh, impressive win there. Uh, he got the, uh, the first-round finish in that one. And then uh, TJ Laramie, main event. This kid's 20 years old, guys, and he went out there and he finished uh, Wild Noguera uh, in the fifth round in his fight and TJ again, just better every fight. This kid is unreal. I can't say enough good things about him as far as the rise of, of him and everything else. And, uh, 
keep an eye on him. He's he's an up and comer as well. Cody Stamen uh, uses him a lot in his training camps at Michigan Top Team. So uh, uh, keep an eye out for that. And actually, if you guys go over to TSN.ca, um, Aaron Bronsetter is doing a piece on Canadian prospects, and I, I gave TJ a little shout out in there. So TJ Laramie is a guy that you want to want to keep uh, tabs on. Um, you know, a lot of really good Canadians right now. Got to uh, give a shout out to uh, to the Canadians there. What else can we sort of talk about? Uh, we've got a bit of a break here in between. Um, Obviously, the UFC London card and UFC 223 that's coming up here. Um, I don't mind the break. I like it. I'm actually going away this weekend to Montreal to go watch the Montreal Canadiens play. So I'm happy to get a little break and not have to uh, do any work this weekend, too. I'll be uh, just enjoying all that is uh, Montreal. I love Montreal, one of my favorite cities. Uh, so, you know, we got a little bit of a break here. But I got to say this was smart on the UFC's part because this is a huge card, UFC 223. And I like to see the anticipation for a card. And I think Khabib... And Tony Ferguson might be one of the best lightweight fights we're ever going to see. Hopefully it happens. Don't want to jinx anything. But it, it's a great fight. I, I I honestly can't wait. I don't know who wins that fight. I know Khabib looked amazing against Edson Barbosa in his last fight. And he absolutely should be the favorite heading into this. But Tony Ferguson, he's the interim champ. He finished Kevin Lee, which is impressive. He's unorthodox. Is Khabib going to be able to handle an orthodox guy like that? I don't know. We'll see. So, um, you know, be on the lookout for my uh, MMA pros picks video up on Fightful. A lot of interesting opinions on that fight uh, as far as, uh, you know, who's going to come there. But it's, I mean, we can go top to bottom on this card because, uh, you know, the next time I'm on this show, I won't be uh, talking about it. So, I mean, we can kind of go through the card a little bit. Mike Rodriguez making his debut. Love that guy. Contender Series alum. One of Joe Lozon's main teammates. We've got Zabit. Uh, Megomish Sherparov. Uh, I know I butchered that. That guy's the, the real deal. He's fighting Kyle Bokniak. Props to Kyle for taking that fight. I mean, Zabit's legit. You've got the, the greatest of all time, Artem Lobov, fighting on the card against Alex Caceres. You got Ashley Evan Smith and Beck Rawlings fighting each other. Ashley Evan Smith hates Beck Rawlings. Go check out my interview on Fightful with her. She's not a fan. There's a lot uh, at stake in this fight, which is at Flyweight, actually. Brandon Moreno, Ray Borg. That's going to be a great fight in the Flyweight division. Felice Herrig, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, another good fight in it. I mean, this is a stack card. I, this this has to be the best card the UFC's put on this year so far. I know that isn't saying much because we're not even midway through the year, but I can't wait. I mean, there's a lot of fights I don't know what's going to happen. Ally Quinta, Paul Felder, another good fight. Gosh, who takes that one? I have no idea. Chiesa, Michael Chiesa, back in business, taking on Anthony Pettis. You've got Calvin Cater on the main card. Man, Calvin might be the most underrated 45er right now. He's just, he's beating everyone. He just beat um, Shane Burgos. Great fight. Uh, Rose Namajunas, of course, the rematch against Joanna. Uh, I can't wait for that one. Interesting uh, pros picks uh, reaction on that one. Uh, go look for that video on Fightful. A lot of fighters uh, picking Rose, rightfully so, but Joanna, I mean, it's it's interesting. Uh, Joanna, I should say, uh, you know, uh, was that a fluke? Was was she just unprepared? Did she have a bad chin? We're going to find out in the rematch. Can't wait. And then, of course, the main event. It's going to be an awesome card. And I should mention, I, I did mention, I should say, earlier, I'm going to be there covering the card live. And uh, I got to tell you a situation that happened to me. Uh, you guys might find this interesting. Um, I uh, I was going to go to this, uh, cover this event under Fightful. I... Um, I was going to, I covered UFC 218 for Fightful and it's good. And Fightful and I, uh, you know, I do a lot of content for Fightful. So it, you know, it made sense for me to, for me to cover it for them. And when I initially applied, they said, uh, well, even when I applied for UFC 218, they told me, the UFC told me, uh, we're going to take this as an event per event type basis, because I don't know if it's that they don't recognize Fightful as like a legitimate outlet because, you know, people listening right now that are like, what's Fightful? Fightful is, you know, maybe not huge in the MMA community, but they're a huge wrestling website. They do MMA and pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, they get, I've seen their numbers, they get really good views. They're a really solid site as far as the numbers go. Um, but for whatever, whatever reason, ever since I told the UFC, I was going to, cause initially I used to always go under Sportsnet, which is a huge Canadian network here in Canada. I would always go under them, always get approved cause they're a huge network. So I went under Fightful for 218. They approved me. I did a bunch of work. If you guys saw the interviews I did, I did about 17 interviews for that event. No joke. I literally, you know, Boom, boom, boom. After media day is over, I'm trying to find other fighters at the hotel, trying to get as much as much content as I can. I, I, you know, I really put my pedal to the metal for that event. Anyways, fast forward to now, I get in touch with the UFC about covering it for Fightful. And uh, they tell me, wait until closer to the date, because this is a big card. I guess they want to see what outlets have applied. And then they'll make the decision if I get approved through Fightful or not. So I emailed the UFC today and they deny me. 
uh, under Fightful. Now, I'm still going to cover the event. I, I'm, I'm applying under Flow Combat, who I, I do a lot of work for as well. And uh, I'm happy to rep Flow, Con Flow Combat. Uh, I covered uh, Bellator NYC for them last year. And it's uh, I, I love Flow. They're, they're great. Um, great team over there. Hunter Homestek and I will actually be there covering the event. So I applied under Flow initially because I knew I'd get approved. But obviously, because I do more work for Fightful, I thought oh, I'll go under them and, you know, I can be my own person because I'll be the only guy there from Fightful. But no, I got denied. So I will be going under Flow. I will be attending the event, but it will be, uh, yeah, like I said, I'll be covering it for Flow instead of Fightful. So some politics there with the UFC, you know, it, it's on sort of them and Fightful. I'm, I'm a freelancer, so I kind of just do what I got to do for myself. So I'm happy to do it for Flow, but I got a lot of cool ideas for some of the stuff I'm going to be doing down there as far as some of the interviews. I've already got a couple of fighters lined up to do something a little bit different for an interview. So you guys want to stay tuned for that. And then also I have... Um, uh, Hunter and I are probably going to be doing like a preview show or something. So a lot of cool goodies there, but uh, let's go back to the chat. Cause uh, people obviously don't want to hear me uh, rambling on. Um, Lucas also says, um, what do you think about the frequency? Oh no, that was the question he had before. Uh, we got VK in the chat asking what were, uh, when you were getting started out, what did you find was the best way for getting interviews, direct approach through Facebook, Twitter, or through manager or promotion? Um, I cover this a bit in, um, actually, did I cover that in one of my videos? I'm trying to think if I did. I don't think I did. I did on a Q and a that I did on the industry podcast. I kind of addressed that already. Um, no, I, I no, maybe I did talk a little bit about this on, uh, on the event video that I did. If you go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lynch on sports, um, I do have a video on like covering events and I kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, getting in touch with promoters. It's very similar to getting fighters, but to answer your question, when I started off, um, a lot of it was word of mouth. I would ask people that interviewed other fighters, how did they get in touch with them? Um, so I would, I would just ask around. That's sort of how I started off as far as getting my early interviews. But again, you guys have to remember, and I, I, I can't emphasize this advice enough. And I know um, on the industry podcast, when I had the submission radio guys, they kind of gave opposite advice. Their sort of theory is go big or go home. I think it's better personally, if you're starting off to get, you know, lower level guys, like get, get regional fighters and get, UFC undercard fighters. If you want to get UFC fighters, that's fine, but don't go and try and get Max Holloway. I like, I don't get that. Like if you're, you're not, people are going to watch the interview with Max Holloway on the MMA hour, as opposed to your interview. That's just the truth. Even if you get Max Holloway, which is really tough, I can't even get Max Holloway. So if I can't get him, chances are, if you're starting out, you're probably not going to get, uh, get that as well. But, um, to answer your question, yeah, I, I would go ask, um, other people who have interviewed a specific fighter, go through that way. Second step is, um, and cause there usually they'll, you know, if someone's interviewed them, they'll, they'll give you the name of a manager. It's always best to go through the manager or promoter or PR person first. That's, that's my number one advice because then you're doing it the professional way. Um, managers and PR people saying that can sometimes be a pain in the ass. I, uh, won't mention the manager, but right now I am on email number 11 with a manager trying to get a fighter booked. And I've tried to book this fighter. The, the fighter has a, f a fight coming up in a few weeks. And, uh, I emailed this manager, like literally like as much as I could. And I wasn't being annoying about it. I was literally just like, Hey, you know, what's the latest, what's the latest. And they said, Oh, don't worry. I'll get them for you. And it's just, it's been a cat and mouse game and through email. And sometimes it's a pain in the ass and that sucks. Cause it should be really easy. Some PR people, I message them right now. Hey, I'd like to interview such and such. Here's my availability. Boom, it's booked that day within a couple minutes, whatever. Other managers, PR people, it can be a bit difficult. But still, the most professional thing you can do is go through the manager and promoter. Then if that doesn't work, then I'll go the Facebook route. And even Facebook, I'm not adding them to Facebook. I'm not posting on their wall. I'm keep trying to keep it professional behind closed doors. And I will message them on Facebook Messenger. And sometimes that message goes into the message request folder. So it's a bit of a gamble. Sometimes they don't see it, but that's what you gotta do. You gotta be professional. Don't go, I, I, you know, some people disagree with this. Don't go on Twitter and post publicly and say, hey, can I get an interview with you? If the fighter has their DMs open, DM them. If they follow you, DM them, but don't do it in public. That's just my two cents, you know, the things that, that I say or whatever. Um, Lucas Grandsire also says, uh, what has been your strategy when it comes to avoiding managers flaking on you for interviews? Well, if, if the manager flakes, then, you know, sometimes I will go and try and go directly because if the manager's not getting back to me, at least I have that excuse of saying, Hey, look, you know, I reached out to you. You didn't get back to me. I'd like to get this interview. Like, you know, a lot of us that are covering the sport, they're not trying to get a, a controversial interview out of a fighter, or they're not trying to get a clickbait interview. They're, most people are like me, where they just want to interview the fighter, ask them how they're doing, 
maybe ask them what they're doing outside of fighting. Like, are they playing any video games, watching any Netflix, whatever? Those are the type of things that, you know, we're, we're not, we're, we're here to just get good information out of the fighter. We're not here to screw the fighter over. So managers, if you're out there, make this easy on us. And I get that you don't want to over, you know, um, bombard the fighter with, with interviews from a million different outlets. Cause really there are a million different outlets for MMA you know, pick and choose, get, at least get back to the person and say, look, this person's not available. There's a, there's a couple of managers. There's one manager in particular, not going to mention his name, but I respect the hell out of him. He's so easy to work with. He's one of my favorite managers to talk to. And he's denied me interviews before. And I'm okay with that because at least he told me, Hey, sorry, this person isn't available. They're doing selective interviews. That's fine. I'd rather get an answer than nothing because that happens at times. Sorry guys. I had my lunch like before this. So Sorry, I'm kind of like not burping, but just uh, getting a little bit in the way. Wasted Banana says, wish Maribek was fighting on that card. I do too. Maribek Tysimov got some visa issues. Don't know what's going on there. I'd like to see him back in the cage because, man, what a talented guy that guy is in the lightweight division. Um, it's too bad. I, I like that fight against Dunham. That was a that was a good matchup. It's unfortunate that's going to happen. We got Remember the Name 8 saying, hey, James, my question is, how did you get so to be so personable and friendly? Is it a born with thing or did you develop it? It must help when talking to different people. Um, you know, when it comes to being personable with fighters, it's just, uh, I mean, I'm, if people know me outside of my interviews, I'm kind of like how I am in my interviews as I am in person and the personality stuff, like, you know, being outgoing and things like that, it just it's sort of something you develop. I was a pretty shy kid when I was growing up and it wasn't until maybe high school that I sort of broke out of my shell a little bit and started doing, you know, like public speaking and things like that. And that's sort of where I've always sort of been comfortable um, and then sort of as I got older, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot of like conditioning. Like uh, I was looking on my YouTube channel the other day and I mean, I'm, I'm approaching almost 2000 videos. Now those are not all just interviews. Some of those are, you know, just videos I've made or their podcasts I've done. Um, you know, some of them are from events. It's like weigh in footage and stuff, but I mean, I've done a lot of interviews, well over a thousand probably. I mean, it probably is close to 2000. It's not quite 2000 yet, but it's getting up there. Cause guys, I've been doing the freelance thing since 2015. So it's been, you know, a couple of years and it's just consistently putting out interviews. So over time you develop sort of a personality, you develop sort of things you, you like, and you don't like, I still make a lot of mistakes. I'll be the first one to admit that guys. I had a guy yesterday, um, who's worked in the TV business, uh, give me some pointers and you know, he's brutally honest. He said, there's a lot of bad habits I have when it comes to interviewing and I don't really know the guy, but you know, he made a lot of good points. I, I'm totally cool with feedback as long as, it, as long as it's constructive. Um, you know, one of the things they said is that you know, I leave my mouth open when the guest's talking. It's just something I'm subconsciously not aware of. So that's something today when I was doing my interviews, I try to keep my mouth shut a little bit. Um, talking too fast. I get that one a lot. I talk fast outside of my interviews. So it's a little bit difficult at times. So these are habits I'm slowly trying to break. But again, conditioning is the biggest thing. And that's, again, going back to what the question before said about, you know, how do you go about interviewing people? It's better to interview undercard guys or guys that are starting out because if you do screw up, it's not such a big deal. If you're talking to, I don't know, Daniel Cormier, and you screw up, you're not going to look like as big of a moron because that 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 interview is going to get more eyeballs. People are going to see it and they're going to be like, wow, this guy's an amateur or this girl's an amateur. It, as opposed to if you interview someone on the local scene, it's like, oh, well, they're just starting out. It's not a big deal. Like, I think when I first started doing interviews, um, the video ones sort of came after, but I, I remember the first event I ever did like interviews with like video stuff was uh, Global Warriors here in um, Ontario. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of UFC fighters that were there actually just cornering people. Elias Theodoro being one of them. Darren Krukshank was here. James Krause was actually here too. He's cornering uh, Jason Witt, who was on that card. And this was back in 2015. But I mean, you go watch those interviews. I wasn't very good. Um, it sort of took some time to sort of uh, hone my craft and sort of pick up some better habits. So that's sort of one thing as well. Um, let's go to Twitter here, see if we've got any comments here. And if we don't, guys, it's not a big deal. I didn't really promote this very well. I uh, just told Jeremy I was going to do this on a Monday, and it sort of worked out that way. And uh, this is sort of where we are right now. Uh, I'm going to check Facebook right now. Let's see if – no, no questions on Facebook. Not a big deal. Uh, what else should we talk about here? I mean, we've got about nine minutes left. Um, I'll talk about some of the videos I put out on my channel. Um, one of them is how to record my Skype interviews because I get qu that question asked a lot. So if you guys want to go to youtube.com slash Lynch on sports uh, in there, I have a playlist that's called podcasts slash MMA industry slash fightful slash everything else. I got to add this one too as well. The MMA sucker podcast on there as well. Um, but I'm, I'm making sort of videos that are informative because I do get asked questions a lot and 
you know, I, I, I will gladly answer them, but I also get tired of answering the same questions. So I made a video. So if you go on my channel on YouTube, there's one that's uh, on uh, how to record split screen Skype interviews. That's one of them I have on there because that's a question I get asked a lot. And I think uh, as people are slowly starting to notice uh, videos, videos a thing, you know, especially if you're a regional fighter, you're not getting a lot of TV exposure. So it's good to get your face out there. But let's look at some of the videos I've done. Um, I did another one on how I edit my videos. You know, a lot of people ask me how I edit. I, I had the benefit of when I went to school for broadcast uh, journalism, for broadcast television, I should say in college, I did uh, editing. I learned how to edit on Final Cut. And once you know how to edit on one system, you can edit video on pretty much anything. Because now I use Adobe Premiere and I edit, you know, really well. And if I didn't learn Final Cut, I wouldn't have been able to learn how to edit on Premiere. So I just sort of learned that on my own. And I go through in that video of how I edit my split screen interviews, like sort of the process of, you know, after I've recorded the interview on Skype, how I go through and edit all that stuff. So check that out. That's on my YouTube channel. And then the other one I have, which I alluded to earlier, is the one to how to apply and cover UFC events as media. And that's sort of like a, a how-to of if you, if you want to cover a UFC event, if you want to cover a local event, how you sort of go about that. I sort of talk about the politics involved. You know, I talked about in this show of how I didn't get approved by Fightful, but you know, I have a couple different outlets that I can go under uh, for UFC credentials. Um, Flow Combat's one of them, and uh, Fanside and Sports Illustrated, I can go under them as well if I want to apply as UFC media, but I like to sort of stick with one outlet. But uh, Flow, I'm like I said, I'm so happy to cover it for them. I'm, I'm stoked, and that's going to be such a great card. Oh my God, Brooklyn. I arrive there Wednesday morning. I will be there the whole week and I'm going to be doing stuff outside of the normal media day stuff as well. So I'll be getting a lot of good content. But yeah, that video just talks about that and also talks about some professionalism too. Like I do on certain events, see guys wearing t-shirts, guys or girls, you know, acting unprofessional. I mean, drinking, you can't drink at an event if you're media. You can't take pictures with fighters as media. They're just like common sense things that, that should be talked about. Uh, so hopefully I, I get that as well. Um, what do we got here? Uh, we've got some guy, full-time toilet cleaner. He says, James, what's up? Or you say, was up. I think you mean, what's up? What's up, full-time toilet cleaner? That's a, that's an awesome name. Um, Dick Eater, which uh, maybe not the biggest fan of that name, but uh, he says, who is your favorite fighter you've interviewed? Well, anyone who knows me well enough knows that my favorite fighter and, you know, even before I started covering the sport is uh, Gigard Musasi. And I've had the pleasure not only to interview him several times over the phone, but also in person. If you go on my channel, you'll see the interview I did last year with him uh, at UFC 210 in Buffalo, his last fight in the UFC. And uh, it was awesome. It was so cool. Like I've been a Gigard Musasi fan dating back to the pride days, dating back to when he fought in dream. I just always liked the guy, his personality, even before like he sort of started getting famous for like his interviews and being sort of brutally honest. I saw something in him back then and I always thought his personality was different and he's a great fighter too. So it's just been great to, to get to interview him a bunch of times. And, you know, I don't have a problem saying he's my favorite fighter. And, and if I interview him again, I will be objective and say things like, you know, I think people would argue that you lost that fight against Alexander Shlomenko. I thought he lost. I think he was lucky to win that fight and he might tell me to F off, but I don't think he won that fight. So if I do interview him again, I, I will definitely, uh, you know, talk to him about that. But, you know, it's it's better for Bellator that he won because they can give him the middleweight title shot. And he's a lot better of a middleweight champion personality-wise. Let me be clear about that. Personality-wise, Gagard Masasi is a better middleweight champion than Rafael Carvalho. It just is what it is. Carvalho doesn't speak English. I If I went to the grocery store right now and I asked a bunch of people, who is Rafael Carvalho? Nobody would have the answer to that. If I asked him about Gegard Musasi, I maybe might get one person answering that too. But uh, if, I, if I went to you know, a bar and people are watching the UFC, people would know who Musasi is. They wouldn't know who Rafael Carvalho is. So I would uh, definitely do that. Do we have any more questions in here? We've got Stewie Motherfucker Griffin. Uh, the champ is here. Dude, this guy, I got to give him props. He always comments on my videos, says a lot of really nice things. So Stewie, thanks for joining me here. Uh, we got about five minutes left, guys. If you've got any last questions, get them in. I will definitely uh, talk about that. Um, try and wrap these questions up here. Again, we say an hour. This could go longer than an hour if people want, if people have good questions. I'm really just here to be informative, guys. Like, I'm not a know-it-all. I've been doing this since 2008. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I get a lot of questions and I'm more than happy to do it on a platform like this. And again, you know, big, uh, big shout out to Jeremy Brand for, for giving me a platform to do this. Um, I do a podcast, like I mentioned on Fightful called the MMA Industry Podcast. It's on every Thursday. And that is specifically uh, a podcast that, that I hope to be informative where 
you know, we talk about niches in the sport. It's, it's something that's not being covered. No one really talks about what it's like to cover the sport. And so I have different guests on to talk about that, whether they're journalists, whether they're managers, whether they're, you know, people that are promoters or announcers. I had, uh, you know, I had an announcer on a couple months ago, uh, Cyrus, who does stuff for Flight Night Global. He's great. He was a really good interview. Um, so, so that's good too. Um, like I said, guys, get your questions in here. Uh, who's your favorite female fighter? Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I'll say I have a tie. Um, I sort of always, uh, enjoy Randa Marcos, uh, Randa. I interviewed before she was on the ultimate fighter. Actually, funny story about this. Um, at the time, Randa was represented by someone else, um, as far as her management went. And, uh, she had just fought in Canada. She won a title for what promotion is it? It's going to escape my mind. They were based, based out of London, Ontario. What the heck? You know what? I got to look this up. Otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot. Jamie, Jamie champion is the one who manages or who uh, ran that promotion that Randa won the title in. Um, but yeah, anyways, Randa has sort of always been one of my favorites because she was one of the first female fighters I ever interviewed. So I've sort of always had that spot, uh, in there. Provin pro uh, provincial FC PFC. That that's the organization I was thinking of. Randa won their, um, strawweight title, um, in that actually it's funny on topology here. They don't have, no, sorry. She fought for PFC on their first card. It was the second card that she beat Linnell house and she won the vacant starway title on that. That was PFC two. That was the fight before she was on the ultimate fighter. So Rand is one that I was kind of, um, yeah, you know, like I, I try not to be biased, but, um, you know, I, I enjoy watching her fight and I think that, uh, she's got an interesting personality and interesting backstory. So she's someone, but also Cynthia Calvillo, um, Cynthia, I interviewed when she made her LFA debut. Um, and, uh, sorry, no, I didn't interview her when she made her LFA debut. I interviewed her when she made her UFC debut, my mistake. Um, and I, I think she's badass. I think she's awesome. And, uh, you know, anyone who says that she's overhyped, I think Cynthia earned it cause she's got a cool personality. She's like a Diaz brother and she's got a cool fighting style in my opinion. So I, uh, I enjoy watching both of them. So it's kind of like a, a, a tie. Um, he says, who's your guest for the podcast Thursday? Well, Lucas, if you go to my Twitter feed, you can see it there. No, I'm joking. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, I've got Shamakar uh, Sandu, uh, actually coming on this Thursday. Uh, he's going to be recapping, uh, UFC London. Uh, he was just there covering the event. I've been trying to get Shamakar on for a while and he does some uh, work for MMA junkie and MMA India. So, uh, you guys can check that out. I'll actually pin that tweet up after this show. Um, cause I wanted people to see this one. Uh, we've got Talir one asking, what did you do before MMA journalism? Um, well, I've always sort of been involved in journalism in one way or the other. Um, so I went to school for broadcast, uh, television. I also went to school for communications. I have a degree as well before that. Um, so I'll give you the Coles notes. We've only got about a minute left here. And if you guys have any more questions, get them in now so I can answer them before we wrap things up here. But, uh, so when I first started off, um, I've always worked in television. So, uh, when I got my degree and everything, I started off working as an intern at the score, uh, which is a now a defunct network. Uh, or it was a network that used to exist here in Canada. It was a sports network 24 seven. I started off as a script writer. I actually worked on a show called uh, Tim and Sid. Uh, back in the day, actually, no, it was called uh, the score tonight. Actually, my, my apologies. It's called that uh, Tim and Sid now that show that I'm thinking of. So started doing that. I was a terrible strip script writer. I I'm really bad at spelling and writing. And so I realized very early on that that was not going to be my bread and butter. So I moved over to fight network and I worked there in 2008 and I started off as an intern and I started off editing and thank God I got to hone my editing skills there. Cause I use editing so much now in what I do. So I worked at fight network. I've always kind of been involved in sports television. So I did that for years, worked at fight network for four years, rose my way up to or move my way up to being a producer and an editor senior editor there and also did a bit of reporting there did actually if you go on fight network's youtube page and you go look at old bellator highlights or certain ufc highlights i voice those so you can hear my whiny voice uh, on those early highlights if you go look at some of the older fight network highlight packs that were there so i was doing that left fight network went to tsn which is like the espn in canada did that for a couple of years as a or not a couple of years i did that for like less than a year like maybe half a year i worked there as a digital content editor video editing was sort of what i did was my bread and butter moved on to the discovery channel was an editor there in Canada and then moved on to Rogers up until last October where I was a digital um, video coordinator where I managed digital content for a couple different television networks here in Canada that were all owned by Rogers so I managed like uh, it's basically television episodes and live streaming. I, I worked with that type of content in my day job. And then when my, when I became a dad in September, I quit that job and did this full time and I haven't regretted it since it's been awesome. And I'm my own boss now. So it's awesome. Um, so, uh, and we got one more question. I'll, this will be the last one I'll get here. Cause we're already over time. He says, Oh, you're actually reading this shit. I feel bad now. Ha ha ha. Of course I am. Didn't you guys see the tweets? I'm going to be answering all these questions in the chat. So I really appreciate it. We're going to go to Twitter. 
Um, yeah, no questions here. Guys, I want to thank you so much for the questions. Seriously, I did a very lousy job of promoting this, and I am super happy that I got a bunch of different questions in here. So uh, thanks so much for joining it here. Again, every month, I will be doing this here on MMA Sucka. Uh, big thanks to Jeremy Brand for uh, for allowing me this platform. Uh, maybe I'll be doing some more stuff for Sucka. We don't know. Uh, Jeremy and I are just going to sort of take this slow, take this steady. You know, the kids these days, they're all about the one night stands. You know, I'm, I'm going to take things steady, old fashioned with MMA Sucker. We're just going to, you know, see how this Q&A thing goes. Maybe it'll be a Q&A that happens, you know, more than once a month. We'll see how this goes. But I love I love doing this. I love interacting with all you guys. I'm more than happy to do it. Maybe we'll get some guests on here as far as people answering questions with me. I don't know. Give me feedback. If there's certain things that you guys like or don't like about this show, let me know. I'm open to suggestion. This is a people show. I want to just be as informative as possible. So whatever you guys think is best, that is awesome. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. That's L-Y-N-C-H on Sports, all one word. Give me a follow. I'm My DMs are open. I'm always open to talking about the industry or talking about MMA topics or whatever. I also do a podcast with Adam Martin called the Parting Shot Podcast. We do that usually every week breaking down fights, recapping fights, whatever. That's an MMA odds breaker. And of course, the MMA industry podcast every Thursday. We're back this Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time uh, with Chamat Karsandu talking about his career and his work at UFC London. And I got a bunch of interviews. If you guys are looking for stuff to watch in between now and the next UFC, I've got a ton of UFC 223 interviews, both on Fightful and on Sports Illustrated MMA slash fansided. So check those out. And guys, this was a blast. Really appreciate the time today. Uh, we'll be back next month for another Q&A like this. If the demand is there, maybe I'll do one before. But in the meantime, thanks a lot, guys. Hope this was informative, and I will see you next time.